Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's been foiled once again by Tottenham Hotspur's search. I want to call it a search, but whether it's a search or not, who knows, for a new manager, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad this time. Like, I, 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 I'm I, not at the stage where I'm like, well, I've basically made the video, so you're going to get it anyway situation. Uh, so at least there's that. And to be honest, the person on this podcast who's been foiled more than anyone is not me, it's Barty. It's, um, yeah, I was so excited. It, I was really so excited. Were. I was really, it was, it was going to happen. We were going to get a proper Italian at the club. Yeah. <laughs> a proper Italian as opposed to a fake Italian. Well, we've, um, we've had, our Italians haven't been great. They've been mixed. Tramazzani <laughs> and Bertie. I mean, I still put a case forward for Nicola Bertie's severely underrated by our, by our fan base. He scored some big goals and he was at the end of his career, but he was still a very, very good player and a very, very bad team. But yeah, Tramazzani, Cudicini and Nicola Bertie. I was, we were, we were going to get one of the best managers in the world, Windy. Not a best manager from a decade ago, like the best manager from, from three weeks ago. But yeah, wasn't to be, wasn't to be. Lots more to say about mm. Conte, I'm sure. Um, couple of, couple of things to mention. So first thing is, uh, we went full nerd last week and I didn't actually get time to mention what we were doing on the podcast. So I kind of left a cliffhanger by saying, Oh, we'll talk about this exciting thing we're doing. And then we never did. Um, Nathan is teaching Bardi and I Dungeons and Dragons and we're doing it as summer content in the Patreon. <laughs> and we did our first session last week and it was, really, it was really fun. It was yeah. so much fun. I loved it. I really loved it. So we had, uh, Dan and Chilton from, from the Discord, uh, helping us out to, uh, experts, should we say, who, who, who were very sort of patient with Bardi and I, who were learning as we went along. Bardi, how did you find it? 
I mean, I, despite being the proper football man of this podcast, I am a, <laughs> a, a, I am a massive geek as well. I love everything Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and you know that kind of stuff. So I, I really enjoyed it. It, it takes it's taken me a while to get my head around the fact that everything is open and yeah. you can you can pretty much do whatever you want, and it's it's not linear at all. But now I'm getting the hang of it. I now have to remember to like make notes and introduce myself to people instead of just Darth Vadering away from them and not talking to anybody. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, it's an absolutely astonishing effort in trying to make Dungeons & Dragons Spurs-centric as well. So <laughs> all the characters are based on Spurs players. Some of their traits are based on the players' traits. Um, and it's 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 brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Anything you want to say, Nath? Uh, well, well, I want to I want to address what Vardy just said about the sort of the linear thing. Uh, and I remember like because you you it was your turn first. And you said when you say what do I want to do, you were like, what does that within mean? what context? Yeah, yeah in what context? Mm. With with what restrictions? And I think that like yeah, that's a really big thing. I think it's especially for like my generation, maybe your generation too. That I call it like video game mentality. It's like well, what are my options? What are the list of things I can do? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's really seeped into, to us because, and, and even board games or whatever else, it's like, mm-hmm. these are your moves. Whereas D&D is much more, um, much more open than that. Much more of a, a back and forth sort of conversation about mm. possibilities. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was really impressed. I think you both sort of, you both picked it up really quickly and, and grew into it and, and skipped a lot of the sort of, um, the stages that a lot of, uh, a lot of the failures and sort of, cringy things that new players do when they're sort of feeling things out and they want everything to go completely their way um so yeah it was, it was really really good i i wasn't sure if you were going to bring it up on the podcast to be honest <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i mean I, I definitely wouldn't tweet about it because we'll get relentlessly <laughs> bullied but i think um people people who know us will probably either just laugh and go yeah of course or or will be interested um and yeah, it might be a reason for people to sign up and join the Patreon. Uh, there were some interesting comments on the on the post on Patreon and, and some feedback in the Discord around like people not realising this was content that they needed, but they did. <laughs> and they really enjoyed it, which I thought was very, very nice. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's something completely different, something certainly out of my comfort zone and... I really had a I had a fun time. So thank you, Nathan, and thank you also to Dan and uh, Chilton, who were great sports, and um, and hopefully will continue to be over our next few sessions. Um, one other bit of housekeeping before we get stuck into this manager stuff. Um, I want to thank uh, Parvin. I'm sorry if I've got your name pronunciation your name wrong, but um, that you recommended um, a couple of podcasts to me on the Yang Speaks channel. Um, one about masculinity, which I found really, really fascinating. And the reason, obviously, it was recommended was because we'd kind of been touching on themes of masculinity over the past couple of podcasts. Um, and then also another about uh, Twitter pylons with uh, someone called Tracy Chow, who started um, an, a kind of app called Block Party, which allows you to control your your Twitter feed a bit more. Uh, both were really fascinating, so I wanted to kind of pay that forward and recommend it, recommend them to to our listeners as well. The one about masculinity is with an author and journalist called Liz Plank, who is really fascinating and well researched, uh, and essentially talks about um, how how men need protecting in society because ultimately, if if men are stronger, not in the literal sense. Uh, then, then women are also more protected, and it was it's a really interesting list, about forty five minutes, something like that. So definitely recommend that. 
Um, where do we start with all this manager stuff? Gosh, it's hard to know where to go. Um, let's go with, let's go with this first. Tukes said, many moons ago, Bardi brought up Mercury Retrograde on a pod. At the time, I mentioned it to my girlfriend, and she's never forgotten it. Now she wants you to know that we're in the peak of the biggest retrograde in years, Mercury and Gemini. Characterised by extreme brain fog, untrustworthy rumours, contracts soaring... Contracts soaring? Souring. Contracts souring. Apologies. Contract souring, the best laid plans disintegrating, she says. You can use Mercury to your benefit, though. For instance, it's a very good time to get a text from an old flame. Pochettino, perhaps. Um, Bardi, do you remember what you said about Mercury and rec- Retrograde? I, I had totally forgotten about it. I say so much stuff, Wendy, and I can barely, I can barely keep track of it. But um, now reading all of that kind of, all that kind of information about it, it still stands true. It's just been one of those seasons where plan after plan has been shut down right from the start, right from the very start of the season to um, to Jose and then um, low block and counter and everything else. All the plans have been torn up by Mercury and it's just <laughs> just the way it is. Um, I just wish it would affect other teams instead of, instead of just us. <laughs> uh, Nathan, Ram says, can we buy tickets for the Potter train now? <laughs> well, you've already got, you, you've pre-booked your, <laughs> your first class, booked month in advance at a slight discount. You're, you've got your seat mate. number. <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm checking your tickets. You're right, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like Potter. Um, I mean, I, essentially, I think he's, he's joint first pick along with Ten Hag for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I fucking, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, 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 I really hope so. I tweeted about this. Uh, let me see if I can find the thread. I'll just read my Twitter thread because I know some of us, uh, some of those amongst us are no longer bothering with Twitter, eh? Um, so I said, it looks like total chaos at Tottenham right now, failing to land or changing our minds on multiple strongly reported targets over the course of multiple weeks. It feels like we're scrambling, panicking, and we'll now need to scrape the barrel for some uninspiring mid-tabler. But as far as I can tell, the hold up on Potter and possibly also Ten Hag is just a fee. We could simply decide today or tomorrow that we're prepared to fully compensate Brighton or Ajax and in my opinion it will still have been an extremely successful search. I think perhaps this speaks to a potential coming trend change in the football that, that players moving for tens and hundreds of millions of pounds where managers are sort of picked up on a free at the end of their contracts or after they've been sacked is, is going to sort of start to become something of the past uh, at least among sort of top end Champions League qualifying teams. Yeah that's, that's, yeah, that's an interesting point and I, and I completely agree that like it seems it seems a bit desperate at the moment because of the way the reporting's turned out, but absolutely, this could still be a very successful summer. We, we could make an appointment by the end of this week and quickly identify some transfer targets and things can change really quickly. But um, this is especially an interesting point around the transfer fees. And yes, I mean, this has been something that's been going around for for some time, but managers tend to, I, I guess, because they're on less money, they, they tend to attract smaller compensatory fees, right? They're on less money. They aren't going to like expire within 10 years, although I think that increasingly actually is the case, to be honest, um, as we may have experienced firsthand. And they get sacked, whereas players never really get sacked, right? Um, and the thing, and, and I guess like if you use Pochino's example, is like 
he made he meant so much to us he gave us so much value he did so much for us for five years and then we still sacked him anyway which like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't like (laughs) you wouldn't sack harry kane after a bad year right you wouldn't (laughs) uh you we did you know we didn't sack ericsson because he started you know he started to underperform or whatever we turned a fee on him um it's just it's just a very different situation we managed and i think that their contracts are essentially um worth less mean less it's much easier for a manager to just walk out of a contract or whatever Mm. whereas a player is um well, <laughs> finishing that sentence is opening up a whole, um, <laughs> a whole other <laughs> podcast <laughs> where, uh, th- their rights as workers are, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, not great. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a good point. Um, yeah. I mean, not a lot more to say about that. Let's, let's, let's pause that there and, and move straight on to, <laughs> to Conte. Um, Bardi, um, I want to hear more about your thoughts on this situation because you definitely were the most, uh, all in on Conte. Um, so, Dark Cowboy says, Bardi, how's cancelling the season ticket renewal going? Well, um, so the, the truth is I was always going to renew my season ticket. I just like to think that I had a, a, a bit of power and that when Daniel Levy sat down or whoever looks at the spreadsheets, they would see, they would circle, oh, this person hasn't renewed yet. Why has he not renewed? And I'd, I, I like to think that I made them sweat a little bit by going up to the final hour, but... I didn't really. And it's it's just, you like to think you've got a little bit of power against this huge conglomerate, but you, you don't. But I, I was happy to renew. Um, the Conte thing was an added bonus. I, I mean, I did say I wouldn't have renewed for Steve Bruce, but Con- signing Conte, for me, it would have been... I, I hate the word marquee signer, but it, it, it is a marquee manager. It's a manager that I fully believe in. It's a manager that I that has led a team that I support, the Italian national team, and did fantastic things for them. And had um, Simone Zaza and Graziano Pelle not been idiots, we would have beaten the Germans on penalty shootout. You know, and that doesn't doesn't often happen. And we we might have ended up going on to win that tournament. And he did magical things with a, a team of 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 cloggers. And the idea and the thought of him coming to Spurs and replicating what he's done there, the way he fixed up Juventus, the things he's done at Inter, what he did at Chelsea, it was it was an exciting prospect. And I think the fact that it were, it was also very new and it tied into like my support of Italy and everything else, it was just almost like the perfect the perfect appointment. So when it all came out Friday evening that it had all fallen apart, I was I was upset. And in jest, I did ask NatWest for how I could refund, how I could get a refund on my credit card. They did slide into my DMs and tell me that it's pretty difficult. <laughs> I'd have to take it out with the club, and I don't think the club is going to let go of my six hundred and twenty pounds. So I was I was disappointed, and yeah, I have renewed. And we will see. We will see now what what happens going forward because I've now moved much further away from the stadium. So I do feel the ability. I do feel that I can not renew if I'm not happy with what happens this season. Fair enough, um, Nathan. In terms of the the timeline, the story arc around yeah. Antonio Conte, mm. how's it left you feeling about our hunt for a manager? Uh, I mean, not that there was a huge amount of trust, obviously, in the process, but it's like, we're strongly linked with Conte. Well, we're, we're linked with Conte sort of fairly softly at first. And I guess you say, oh, okay, that's, that's a sort of surprising one. And then we're linked really strongly. And you think, well, this is a weird match. Um, but I guess that's the way it's going, you know? And I was asked, like, like, how do you feel about the Conte? How do you feel? And we talked about it on this podcast. So I'm thinking, oh, well, it, it's a mismatch, right? It, it, it's, He's not a long-term manager. He's not really a, a project manager, or maybe you call it a project, but it's like a short-term project. Um, he he wants to spend lots of money. It doesn't it doesn't match up at all. Um, but either 
either clearly because of how much this has progressed, either um, Daniel Levy has persuaded Conte to work on a budget and use youth players, or Conte has persuaded Daniel Levy to to blow the budget. Right? Surely one of those must have happened because mm. the reports are it's it's all but done. There's it's a finalization of details. Obviously, those those compromises weren't made. And so we got to the stage of reporting and the stage of assumption that, that things had got to that level and Spurs had, had let those reports out quite clearly. Um, but there's nothing there. And it just makes you think, why have, why have things got to that stage when there's clearly a total misalignment on what the goals are? Probably because as we sort of seen with Daniel Levy, that's a tactic of his is to move the goalposts at the last second is to, to sort of imply assurances to Conte, get him to the, to the, to the signing table and then change things and expect him to go through with it like he does with like he does with signings where he says hmm. oh we'll, we'll we'll offer you you know we'll offer you 15 million and then the selling club they buy a replacement and then you only offer them 10 million and well they still have to sell because they've got the replacement in now it's that kind of business that he's he's sort of infamous for i suspect is what's got to this point where we think we're going to land conte but like we're we're on completely different paths I mean, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre set of circumstances to arrive at that point where it, it appeared done. Everybody was reporting done. It was even hashtag here we go. And it's, it is strange that it would fall apart this late. It's not a, it's not a, a player where you've got to deal with third party rights and the Debola situation, that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a manager and, um, I, that's the confusing part. And if it is that, we don't, we would never know what it is unless one day Daniel Levy writes the greatest book ever. If mm. it is that, then, um, it's just a bizarre way for, for Tottenham to continue to operate. And I think that is the, the most damning thing about Spurs is just nothing seems to be straightforward. There's every, every contractual negotiation seems to be full of, um, booby traps and, and holes that things can slip into. And it's, it's, it's very annoying that we're now approaching the start of the Euros and nothing is settled. Well, none of this reflects well on Spurs, does it? It's, it no. looks just very messy, whichever angle you take on it. I think the idea that Levy would would trick, almost trick Conte into signing and then not provide the the um, environment that he requires to be able to be successful it is utterly con- counterproductive because Conte needs certain things. He he just does. I mean, he's not going to come in and build a team with Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett in it. It's just not what he does. He's going to want sign. He's going to want significant strengthening of the squad. And and Levy would have to have known that before we even entered into discussion. So it doesn't make any sense in that way. I mean, there's been some speculation, and it's very conspiracy theory type sort of stuff that maybe the, the the it didn't ever get as far as it did and it was leaks because they were worried about season ticket renewals but that looks really bad now from a PR perspective if it was a leak to try and put some pressure on Pochettino and subsequently <laughs> it hasn't worked that looks really bad from a PR perspective too it's got the fans all excited for nothing so this just doesn't look good whichever way you look at it and I think the big one for me is you know, we identified or Levy identified himself in the chairman's message. Exactly what I read out last week. This is, these are the, these, these are the requirements we're working within to find our guy. And then he goes for someone who doesn't fit those requirements. It's just <laughs> yeah. odd. It's just yeah. really odd. Um, perhaps it will be easier now that we seem to be signing a, a director of football, sporting director, general manager, whatever, whatever Fabio Paratici will be, uh, labeled. Um, because Levy won't be doing this alone. The, the talk was before that Hitchin had helped identify the managerial shortlist. I mean, I do wonder if if we got the shortlist within the um, the, the Tottenham DNA requirements, and then Conte became available, and Levy 
does what Levy did before with Mourinho and just had those sort of cartoon-esque hearts and eyes for someone who's just a bit different and just thought, well, how can I look a gift look a gift horse in the mouth? Antonio Conte's available. Do I just, you know, go outside of um, my lane and, and go for someone? And then maybe he had a rethink over the weekend. was like, hang on, this is what I did before. This is why it went so horribly wrong with Mourinho. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe Fabio Paratici will be able to sort of bring some logic and um, decisiveness to the managerial search. Um, sh- should we talk a little bit about him and and what we think he brings to the table? I'd, I'd just like to to note before we start talking about him as as a person in his career. I think I think this kind of structure of um, the backroom staff and then just being able to replace the manager with a first team coach is something that Daniel Levy's been chasing for for a long, long time. We saw that with. Um, Arneson, um, Camoli, yeah. and um, who was it? Baldini, these kind of guys. So maybe he is looking, maybe he's just decided to step back from signing the manager to signing a, a first team coach that can work within the structure. I think, I think this signing of Paratici will go into it, but it might be, it might be quite astute. It might remove Daniel Levy from a lot of the kind of negotiating tables. Is Franco Baldini a proper Italian? But yeah, he, unfortunately, he, he couldn't, couldn't pick players and couldn't kick a ball either. So he's more Tramazzani than Bertie. He's more Tramazzani, I think. He's more. Well, I was going to say David Pleat as a sporting director, but David Pleat signed a couple of good young English guys, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pleat certainly got an eye for a player and and mm. incredibly knowledgeable about the the lower leagues and the youth teams. Um, so Paratici, I I watched the video which we tweeted from the Extrinch account. Really good little YouTube interview with him on Polish television with Wojciech Szczesny, actually, um, who annoyingly comes across really well in that, I thought. He does, um, doesn't he? He seems really pleasant and intelligent. <laughs> uh, I didn't like that. I want to think of him as an absolute tosser, but I, I couldn't. Um, Paratici, I thought, seemed pretty level-headed, sensible. I liked what I was hearing from him. A couple of alarm bells. Uh, so the things he focused on, which which I thought were interesting, were the, um, the transfer markets, emerging markets where there's value. And he spoke specifically about 
Poland and, and Polish football, presumably because he's on Polish TV. But I, I, I took from that that there were other markets as well. I thought that was really interesting, and clearly he pays close attention to to um, smaller inverted commas leagues. Also, uh, that he watches a lot of international youth tournaments and picks up on players there. I thought that was very promising. Uh, interesting that he likes to work with a relatively small scouting network. Or no, that's the wrong word, the wrong thing to say. With relatively few scouts directly reporting to him, the network could be any size, I, I assume. Mm-hmm. But I quite like that as well because you don't want too many voices. You don't want too many contradictory um, views or or too many yes men. You you want key people that you trust who then delegate tasks out to a, a network and use data, hopefully. And that's the red flag for me. The fact that he didn't, as far as I can tell, didn't once in that interview mention data. Um, and that could have just been because it didn't come up and he wasn't asked about it. And this was three years ago. And maybe if you asked him now or had that same conversation now, things would be different. But uh, that was a, a little bit of a concern. And Nathan, you've done some research on, on Paratici. Any any views? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting... Okay, so um, chronologically... Um, Paratici is 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 right hand man to Beppe Marotta at uh, Sampdoria, and um, I still I sort of like started to try to look through all of the transfers made in that period of time, um, but like that's just an absolute <laughs> unnecessary amount of work. What what happens right is Sampdoria got promoted, and they went up the table, and they went up the table, they qualified for the Champions League, everything's going great. Uh, Marotta and Paratici leave, and Sampdoria immediately get relegated. So ah. that gives you sort of a, a you know I, i'll just put that down as like a tick in the box they did they probably did a good job at sampdoria um and the thing with that is that like um the expectation is that morata would leave and and uh Paratici would take over the director of football role but he continued to be right hand man and moved to juventus um so then they're at juventus for quite a while and um they establish um I mean, I guess you could interpret it as sort of a bit of a money ball approach, right? Doing things differently to what other teams are doing. And, um, well, if you think of it in terms of like on football manager, you've got your budget and you've got a slider, right? And you place the slider where you want and it dictates how much of your budget is on transfer fees and how much of your budget is on wages. And what they've done is they've taken that slider and they dragged it all the way over to what I think must be the left hand side and all of the budget is on wages, right? They don't buy players, they pick them up for free and they put them on really high wages to, to draw them in. Uh, one of the downsides is that is that like other players, you've got the club and um, youth players signing pro contracts for the first time and players that you have had to buy look at look at what Aaron Ramsey is on and say hey I also want 300k a week or whatever because that's what players at this club are on um so all of the budget is on one side um I my suspicion is that that is more Morata's thing and Paratici is on the other end of the model which is that they buy talented young players um to sort of so you you're buying in your sort of your known stars coming towards the end of the contracts and they make up the senior and junior squads and then you buy youth players to to coach and promote and 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 you know fill in the other end of the squads my yes yeah, so my suspicion is Paratici does the younger players more and Morata does the older players more but probably both and both 
Um, in terms of like, is that a viable model for uh, to to continue to bring to Tottenham? I don't really think so because I think that like you have to be Juventus to make that work. You have to be like a domestic giant and an, uh, and a Champions League continuous contender, which we have been briefly before, and I think that we can be again. But we aren't consistently going to be, or we're not at that stage right now anyway. So I think that like if if he's a one trick pony and that's his way, then that's going to fall short. But I imagine he's probably more malleable than that. And again, I imagine that he's probably more done the youth stuff mm. um so Murata, so okay what happens is that um uh paratici is doing the deal with jose mendez for yao Cancelo, and um mendez mentions that cristiano ronaldo is available and so um I suspect knowing that Morata wouldn't approve of it, he goes behind his boss's back to the chairman, Anelli, and says, let's sign Cristiano Ronaldo. Because quite obviously, there are, um, in my opinion, I think from a, from a football perspective, from a sporting perspective, it's not a good deal. It's not been a great deal. He's scored a lot of goals, but I think it's done harm in other ways. Um, but, but I think what Anelli, um, appreciated about it is that, it's a, it's a commercial deal, right? You bring in a big name and a big star. And it costs him a lot of money, but I think the expectation is that he's going to make a return on that. Uh, Murata doesn't like that his right-hand man has gone behind his back to his chairman, so he leaves. So Paratici, and perhaps that was, you know, the big dubious ploy all along, was to <laughs> chase him out of the club and take over the reins. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so, so Paratici is in charge for the last two and a half years or whatever. Um, during that time, Juventus haven't performed well. And so if you ask a lot of Juventus fans, if you ask a lot of Italian media, they say this guy is absolutely clueless. He doesn't have a clue what you do, what he's doing. Um, but if you look at those deals individually, the, the, the transfers that he's made, um, it's been more of the same, the sort of the Marotta model of older players on the ends of their contracts on a free on big wages and picking up young talents as well to complement that. And I think that their squad looks fine. You know, looking at their squad, I think it's a good squad. Um, things haven't gone well the last couple of years, but if you look at their underlying numbers this season under Pirlo, they were top of expected points, top of expected goals, top of expected goal difference. Um, and this is under a young, inexperienced manager. Um, I, I think he's done a good job is, is the, sh- is the short answer there. Um, I think that the the Ronaldo deal that obviously he is primarily responsible for has, has kind of crippled their budget, obviously to, to quite an extent, and it has affected their ability to sort of um, cover holes uh, in the in the squads, which sort of Tottenham fans will go, "Oh, hang on a second, <laughs> that's our thing." And then another one like that is that uh, Juventus fans say he's not very good at moving on dead weight, which uh, which is obviously also another problem at Spurs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, from, from, if you look at his signings individually and we, you can say he takes some credit and blame for what happens under Marotta and he takes everything since then. Um, I think he's made good signings. I was going to ask you about the moving players on the thing because I'd read the same thing that that was a problem. Uh, and, and obviously there's lots of that needed at Spurs at the moment. That's it's, it's well, one of the big jobs of the summer. Yes. And maybe that is like a personal issue with him, but I also think that that's kind of just part of the model, which is if you're signing older players on the end of their contracts on big wages, where do they go after you're done with them? You know? Um, so I think that it's, it's sort of intrinsically hard and that's a downside of that, that sort of model. Um, and if, if he's going to be 
moving away from that model if he comes to us, which I suspect he should, he would have to, and he should recognize that's the case and not try it first and see how it goes, but immediately switch, then perhaps that's going to be less of an issue. Yeah, and I must admit, I've been quite encouraged by the number of transfer links there have been for our players, some of our sort of Deadwood players, as we, as we consider them, because one of the one of the, the concerns about this summer has been where, how do we sell these players it might be that we don't want them anymore but who want who does want them who who will buy them who will pay anything like the fees that we'll ask for them and already i'm seeing really strong links for Aurier. i'm seeing a couple of saudi clubs seem to be battling out for lucas mm-hmm. manu have been linked with harry winks uh, sissoko has been linked with moves away to various teams and and that's a i think it's a good sign that that some of our what we would consider deadwood seem to have pathways to go elsewhere so hopefully with Paratici in working full-time on that that can um, develop and you know he's he's been in the game a long time he'll have contacts he'll have networks particularly in Italy it could lead to Bardi getting a few Italians uh, in the team in fact one's been linked already um, Bardi how, how are you feeling about this Paratici chap and what do you know about him? It's always it's always difficult because not every it's, not every transfer obviously works. There are certain things which concern me. The the Cancelo deal, which involved Juventus getting Danilo, that was mm. that was just a, a loss loss thing. They lost a good player and and got an older rubbish player. Um, the Rabiot deal, they put a lot of money into that. That was. That was confusing. What's happened to Bernadeschi as a, as, as a fan of Bernadeschi who, who arrived at Juventus as a, this young, youthful, wonderful, wonderfully gifted left footer. They, his career has kind of disappeared and, um, Kulisovic this year has been a, a bit of a mess. So there are, there are question marks around this, the signings, but you can see the approach. The approach that they've made and the signing that in in certain cases the signings that they've made have been pretty progressive. Um, it is unfortunate this year they didn't win the league, but you can't keep winning. Eventually, eventually you're going to stop winning. You can't win the league every year, no matter how powerful you are. Somebody will come along eventually and stop by Munich and Inter stopped Juventus this year. So that does happen. I wouldn't take too much. Um, and put too much blame on, on Pilo or Paratici for that. It's um, it's a signing that that might work for us. I'm I'm very hopeful that it will. I hope. Yeah, we we need we need a focus on how we sign players. And if he goes along and signs like um a McKenny, that would be great. If he comes along and signs, starts signing older players, then I I saw you you linked um. We've been linked with Bonucci, which would be an, an interesting <laughs> signing, but I don't think that's don't think that's very progressive. He's thirty five years old. He might come in and do a Thiago Silva and be better than Dyer, but I, I'm not really sure that's the kind of signing that Daniel Levy will will, will want. Quite useful in a, in a back three, though, if we're to persist with Roden and Tanganga. I mean, that kind of there's some logic there. Yeah, I, I don't think Bonucci's quite the player he was. I personally hope he doesn't start at the Euros. I think he's I think he's very susceptible and can make a lot of mistakes. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to be a bit positive. We signed somebody, even if um, he's not a manager. And I, I hopefully, he, the Juventus have done some good business. I don't know how much of this was Marotta and how much of this was uh, Paratici. Marotta's gone on to Inter and they've won the league. So um, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that um, I'm actually quite sort of, in a strange way, pleased about is that he's not coming in with Conte. Because... That would that would sort of imply to me that they come as a pair, that they work together. And then what's the point in hiring a sporting director? You know, if you if if Conte doesn't work out, we sack him. Then we're going to sack Paratici as well. 
So well, I quite like the idea of them coming in or him coming in independently. When he joined um, Juventus, when Marotta and him joined Juventus from Samp, they took Del Neri with him, and that was a that was a disaster. <laughs> they finished um, 11th, and then they had to go get Conte and then go get Pirlo to fix it. Interesting. Okay. So, there, so there's rumours that um, Paratici and Conte fell out at Juventus because of course, oh, right. because of course, <laughs> like um, the the Marotta Paratici model is older players for free. And Conte wants us, wants budget, right? So, uh, Conte said, uh, you can't go to a, a fancy restaurant where the meals cost a hundred quid with ten quid in your pocket, essentially. Um, but like, he's looking at the transfer budget and not the wage budget, maybe. And, and there's a whole thing there. But obviously, like, obviously, if they were both interested at the same time and they're aware of each other, there can't be that much frustration. Or maybe that's why the deal has broken down. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there was a, um, there was a, this year in the Coppa Italia, you, uh, he did flick, um, he did flick the Juventus directors the bird and then um, Agnelli as he was walking away because uh, Juve won as he was walking away started shouting and shouting at him and calling him an arsehole so um, we don't <laughs> know whether that was just to Agnelli or to Paratici as well wow the drama he's only in Italian football that's what, we, that's yeah. what we're missing by not getting contact we're, not, we're missing him flicking the bird at Daniel Levy yeah he does tend to fall out with um, senior people at clubs mm. right well he's passionate isn't it this is this is the thing with listening to what Juventus fans have to say about Paratici's work over the last couple of years is that and and th- stop me at any time you think I'm wrong, buddy, mm-hmm. or, or even if you think I'm being xenophobic. But the Italian people are a profoundly dramatic, <laughs> overreactive people who think anything that is against a tradition established even a week ago is like a great disgrace, yeah. right? So because Marotta's gone and Paratici's taken over, any minor failure is like a great disgrace against the brilliant name of Marotta and, and everything else. Always with the drama, but that is the same for for us English fans. Pochettino Tino is was a was a fraud who never did anything despite <laughs> yeah. being one of our I mean, greatest to be, managers. To be honest, it, it does seem, sound a little bit like how Spurs fans are reacting to Daniel Levy this week mm. because because this Conte situation uh, fits the narrative so well. Uh, people are going absolutely ballistic at Levy, uh, and I know I think he does deserve some criticism. I, I, I certainly think they deserve criticism for how they've allowed this information to all be leaked to the press. Um, it's it's it's. It's not very, as I mentioned earlier, it, it doesn't. It's not a good look for Spurs in any shape, way, shape, or form. We'll do this question from Mohamed Thirty before we go. He says, "Is it time to really tear down the furniture and build back again from scratch? I'm talking about getting in a coach that has improved players and, more importantly, implicitly trust the youth, like a Graham Potter or a Steve Cooper from Swansea. I mean, selling Kane this year to help." replenish the team again. This summer reminds me of the Sherwood season post-Bale. Whilst this mess is almost completely of Levy's own making, I don't envy him. If you're in his position, what difficult decisions do you make to take the club forward? I mean, I got I got to challenge this because it wasn't the Pochettino summer. He kept a lot of the, of the you know, the old cartel. And it wasn't until we, we lost to Stoke maybe or beat Stoke at home that it changed. And then it, it took, so it took like, maybe a quarter of a season for that kind of to knock to tear out the old furniture it wasn't something that we'd done overnight and it, I think it would be overly dramatic to do it now I don't think I think we just need any any coach can improve our players any coach can implement a system that make, will make our players better I'm not too I'm not too worried about that I just think we need a coach that can do that and then we need a a director of football to buy one or two individuals that will suit a system and I think that's that's how we get better that's how we gain those 15 extra points that that guarantees his Champions League football next year and that's that's all it is really 15 points 10 points 
and we're back where we back in the Champions League. It's not a um, finishing just outside the relegation zone where you have to change everything. It's it's so close, and that's that's what we talk about when Tottenham have become this this big team that even when we're terrible, we're still not far from being good. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think I, th- I think things don't need to be seen as that bleak at the moment. I think there's a lot of overreaction. Things will change so quickly over the summer once we've got a, a, a new coach in place, once we have a feeling for what they're going to try and do, um, and once we see a couple of players sign and you know pose in the shirt, we'll just start feeling a hell of a lot better. The big thing is Harry Kane, of course. That's the that's the elephant in the room because that does mean those 15 extra points suddenly become a lot harder to find. Mm. But as we've discussed previously, there's ways around that. Um, I, I was a bit upset to see today that Leicester seem set to sign Odson Edouard because I think he would be one of the potential Kane replacements. And the longer we let the Kane situation rumble on, the fewer potential replacements there will be because other clubs will want the top strikers that are available as well. Um, so I, I do think like we do need to move on with this we need to get the, the coach appointed so that Kane knows what he's coming knows what he's coming back to and we can really work out how hard Levy's going to go in terms of digging his heels in or whether he just sets a price and, and says that's it we're going to sell Kane this summer mm. um, Nathan any thoughts before we before we finish up yeah I mean we don't we don't need to tear it down because it has dilapidated right we just that's the thing isn't it yeah uh, move on some dead weight as much of it as we can in, in one summer and then the rest the next. Um, bring in, you know, three or four younger players, maybe a, another, you know, a more senior centre back, a new manager and, and it's very different. I think like again, I've made this point before, but like think about how awful everything seemed at this club you know, when we were like releasing Tim Sherwood from his contract yeah. what a mess it looked like and Pochettino came in and okay it, it started slowly but it was promising instantly and we had to move on the dead weight and we had to like you know we had the the um, Cabal's Cabal and all of that kind of stuff it took a while to get going but like you could tell the difference. It was it was pretty much instantly more promising, and then the next season it was just a hell of a lot better, and, and so much changes with with good coaching and a couple of good young players. There you go, Spurs fans. No need to feel quite so glum. Um, there's there's still plenty to look forward to, uh, including the Euros, which starts this weekend. But uh, until then, we're going to go and play Dungeons and Dragons. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D. Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 